shaped and inspired us. I'm Abby Ruggles and this is my co-host Rory Doherty. Hello. Each episode we chat to a different creative and explore which narratives have impacted them the most. This week our guest is Gavin Spores who is a freelance writer and screenwriter. How are you guys doing this week? I'm doing great. So excited to be back here on the podcast. That sounded like I was saying that like while I was held hostage, like I was reading that. <laughs> I'm doing great. I and I was like, oh God, I'm doing fine, honestly. But I am I am excited to be here and I'm excited to get chatting with Gavin. How are you, Gavin? I'm great, thank you. It's, yeah, just saying before, it's been a super stressful day, but there's nothing like being on a podcast, being able to just chat about stuff I like, really. Yeah, oh, absolutely. chat about some films, some games. It's going to be very relaxed. It's going to be very relaxed. And also, this is the first episode that we're recording now that the podcast is out in the world, very which true. is quite nice. That's exciting. It's now, you know, we've been getting all all sorts of, we've gone viral. We're the top of, <laughs> of Spotify list. We're, we're, we're going crazy. We're world renowned. We're getting A-list celebrities wanting to come on the podcast. So yeah, things have gone pretty good for us. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I'm sorry to let you all down with the the C no, celebrity. List. I know. You, you know, we had already booked you in, and then literally Keanu Reeves was wanting to come on, so that's <sighs> going to be next week, guys. Keanu, I'm so sorry. That's okay. So, Gavin, would you like to tell us a bit about the work that you're doing creatively? I know that you're a writer. What kind of stuff are you doing at the moment? Gosh, it is a little bit of everything. So I'll say most of the work at the minute is sort of more reviews and articles. I've been writing with a flip screen for, gosh, it's going to be a year now. And well, I've just been recovering from the London Film Festival, uh, which mm. was an amazing experience. But you, you always ignore everybody when they say, oh, yeah, it's so intense and it's so tiring. Yeah. I thought, yeah, what? Watch loads of you know, films and writing about it. Great, mm. but no, I'm still shattered. I think you yeah. can relate to that, can't you, Rory? I got yes. fatigued so badly. I watched like 30-something films and then was like, oh, I'll sign up to writing all these reviews and then it really hits you. And I think it hit harder than usual with other film festivals is because it was all virtual and it felt so kind of isolating and it felt so, you were felt so much like you were doing this on your own. And, um, uh, you know, at least with, with other film festivals you get to be hanging out with all these friends and running from screenings and being in that kind of atmosphere but this time it felt a little bit more isolating so I was I was very very glad I had people like Gavin and and the on Twitter and that kind of community going on because that really helped me kind of stay sane through all of it yeah I think that was the thing for me because I've never been to a film festival that was my first one Mm -hmm. um, at least covering for it anyway yeah the kind of community on Twitter really did help make it that experience that people still kind of talk about and really love mm-hmm. when it comes to film festivals. So that that was really great for me. That's so nice because so much of the talk about Twitter is like negative a lot of the time. Yeah. But I think I have found through doing this podcast that so many people have actually found like a really strong sense of community, being able to talk to sort of other film writers and stuff mm. like that. Like, and literally this podcast, I, mm. <laughs> literally... Uh, 
this wasn't the the the, the reason. I know me and Abby had the sort of rapport of for, of like friends since childhood, and I know that we <laughs> are like just so in, like click together and we finish each other's sentences. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to make that joke anymore. You can't do it. <laughs> a terrible joke every single time. Uh, but uh, yeah, if it weren't for Twitter and if we weren't through scrolling through retweets, you know, I wouldn't. We wouldn't be in this place we are now. So it's a. It is a good. It is a good place. Remember to take breaks, people, because sometimes it could wipe you out. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned in the last last year. Sort of just going into journalism and critiquing side of things. It's just how powerful Twitter is. And usually, I despise you know talking about the merits of social media and whatnot especially when for the people just seen like the social dilemma and whatnot but Mm -hmm. it really has been so helpful both like you know meeting you two but Uh also with uh the screenwriting side of things which is another thing that i did with my writing yeah tell us about that Kevin. Um, are you working on anything at the moment so hot news i've just swapped so i've been trying to work on two feature films for the Mm -hmm. past two years now maybe but after watching the women x festival i've been it's kind of inspired me to change gears a little bit and i'm turning one of those features into a short almost a kind of mm-hmm. proof of concept but also because mm-hmm. getting to know some of the directors and the creatives from the festival going to be trying to pitch to them essentially with this short script that i'm working on and that's the kind of current plan just really condensing uh the two features i'm working on one is a like a science fiction drama and the other one is a full-on mystery that turns into a horror that goes full-on eldritch nightmare they sound amazing so talking about sci-fis gavin shall we jump into your pieces that you've picked let's do it Let's dive right in. Dive right in. Dive right in. You can pick which one you'd like to do first if you want. I'm gonna we don't go... usually we don't usually give this level of freedom, which is because <laughs> you're special, Gavin. We will let you choose the first one, and we will let you know if it's wrong. Oh, hold on! <laughs> this is too much responsibility. The power. It's. I'm scary. sorry if you didn't it's if terrifying. you if you didn't think you can ha- you can handle the responsibility. You shouldn't have come on the podcast. Okay, this is <laughs> this is there's a very high pressure environment, and. Was... Uh, was it yeah. was that in a memo I missed an email? Yeah, we sent in a memo <laughs> that says "Be prepared" just in big scary font, <laughs> uh, and that's how we send to our guests. Which one would you like to start with, then, Kevin? <laughs> so I'm going to start. Um, I'm going to go chronologically with this. Um, so I'm going to start with Looper, Brian um, yes. Johnson's yes. 2012 underrated, in my eyes science fiction classic i as with every episode of this podcast watched this for the first time today oh. in preparation so i'm excited to talk about it i watched this when it came out in cinemas it was the first i just turned 15 when this came out so it was the first uh 15 rated movie i went to see and oh. <laughs> it was it was so special so special but gavin please tell us about why tell us about the movie first of all and then tell us about your reaction to it and when you first watched it. So Looper is set, well, it's set in the near future and it's almost impossible uh, to carry out murders. So it's within this mob who have taken over, goodness, I'm going to get this wrong. It's Kansas, isn't it? Kansas City. Yeah, yeah um, I think so. I passed the first test. Um, <laughs> and so we have uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, he's known as a Looper. And essentially, even though this is in the near future, in an even further future time travel is invented there and what they do they send uh, people from that future back into joseph gordon levitt's kind of year 
to be able to carry out the hits, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And yeah. things get a bit complicated when himself is sent through and it just gets very complicated from there. But mm-hmm. the I'm trying to remember how I first discovered it because I remember getting really hyped up for the Blu-ray release. I didn't see it in cinemas. I think it's just because of all the buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in college at that time doing a media production course um, and I was starting to get into sort of re- reading Empire magazines and sort of looking online mm-hmm. and whatnot and just seeing all the buzz from it and I was really starting to get into sci-fi at that point and I really don't know what got me so excited about it but I was so hyped for that Blu-ray release <laughs> and I think it was near my birthday and my friend at the time bought me it on the day of release I remember sprinting Aww. home to go and watch it and I was I was just absolutely blown away <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's and it was really the screenwriting because at that point linking it to the college I I knew it was more the writing side of things than the pre-production that I was good that I was sort of good at and wanted to get into but this film yeah. uh, made me want to pursue screenwriting hands down mm-hmm. and there's a few there's a few things with it. I think at that age, well, I was only gosh, how old was I? <laughs> I must have been sixteen, seventeen. Mm-hmm. And it was that it was a kind of perspective change where you're following Joseph Gordon Levitt and it reaches a point where it, it swaps to um his old the older version, but you don't really realise that at the start. And it's just written in such a way it's it's so clever how it's done. Yeah. It kind of pulls out the rug a little bit under you and you you think the kind of reset and then you actually follow bruce willis playing as this older version of joseph gordon levis character who's called joe and you sort of see everything from his perce- his perspective and how he ends up in young joe's hmm. kind of time and place and i remember just being yeah that really blew my mind i mean young 16 17 mm-hmm. wow <laughs> how, how did he pull it off that's amazing yeah. and i think that's yeah, and realizing that all came in the script, and I realized at that point, yeah, I wanna, I wanna write clever stuff like this. <laughs> and I think just in general as well, Ryan Johnson's writing is just so clever. He's hands down one of my favorite directors at oh, the moment. Me too. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, it's a lot. Looper's a lot less showy, I'd say, than like Knives Out mm. or one of his other sort of passion projects. And there's a lot more kind of noir elements, a bit like his debut future, uh, feature Brick, which is also oh, fantastic. Brick is so good. Um, but uh, yeah, I I remember having it. The similar impact to m- on me, Gavin, because I think at the time it was like the coolest movie I'd ever seen. Like, <laughs> like certainly that it sort of came out like. And I realized that that was a kind of a, a sort of shift between me liking whatever the biggest superhero or science fiction movie to come out that year and started preferring smaller films. Um, how did you, you're obviously coming at it because of the screenwriting. Did you read the script? Uh, what about it? Did you find sort of compelling? And how has that influenced your writing going from there? Well, I think at the time I couldn't even find <laughs> the script mm-hmm. yeah. online. I mean, you can easily find it now. But it was just, yeah, it was just really keying in on the story. And yeah, I I, I didn't completely unpackage everything that mm. the story could offer and all the little intricacies. And But I, I did, at, even at a young age, understand that it was a time travel movie that wasn't about time travel. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was really about these characters. But because it was wrapped up in this kind of fantastical, really exhilarating story, 
I think that's another thing that really affected my writing is the fact that you can do these really relatable like themes and stories with really engaging characters, but wrap it up in a really engaging and you can create these stories that you can really empathize with and really relate to, but wrap it up in like a really engaging sci-fi or fantastic or like mm. a fantasy setting. I think mm. that really influenced the kind of writing I wanted to do in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and really go for these, um, you know, less grounded genres. I mm-hmm. think that that's one of the biggest t- takeaways from Looper as well, influencing my writing. Yeah, because yeah, they they never really explain like how the time travel or anything like that works, but it's really just there to serve the characters. Exactly. Bruce Willis, well, yeah, old Joe completely dismisses it. And it's such, you know, it's it's Ryan Johnson winking at the audience saying, no, I'm not mm-hmm. going to tell you how it's time travel works because that's not what it's important (laughs) yeah absolutely it's just a plot device uh to get to the actual meat of the story and it's that kind of boldness i like especially in a world where so many audience members really crave knowing every single little thing but you don't have to in a film Mm. um i'm a little bit stubborn like that as well (laughs) when it comes to explaining oh well developing a script how does this work evan i don't know i don't care I was yeah. to get to the character I'm very stuff. much the same. Um, I'm writing quite a lot of fantasy at the moment. And so I've been sort of reading quite a lot about the difference between like hard magic systems and soft magic systems. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I have a lot of respect for people that can go like hard world building, like really know all the rules and stuff. But I'm just like, there's magic. And yeah. Yeah. sometimes it does stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Pay attention to my characters, please. I think, I think there's a difference between like what you are trying to get out of a world uh in reading it and i think a flaw in a lot of uh science fiction and fantasy is just a sort of very basic kind of screenwriting thing i mean the way i kind of approach big ideas and sort of like fantastical world is you start with when you when you got your log line or like you're you're explaining the story you start with in a world where explain what makes this world different to our world in that world this happens like a turn happens something to challenge that world or something uh unusual in that world happens so in a world where hitmen uh, are sent people back in time uh, to kill them and dispose of it for the mob someone's older future is sent back and escapes like that's that's the twist on 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 the world that you've set up i feel like a lot of science fiction and fantasy that is a lot weaker uh, suffers from the fact that it just sets up a world and it will just be like let's just explore the world as much as possible and that is really good but it needs to be sort of background for an engaging character story because the more mm. you just spend time in that world and the less time you spend with characters you're really just shutting off your maximum sort of audience there yeah it reminds me of um when we spoke about coherence a few weeks yeah. ago because you don't it's another one where you don't really you don't need to understand the science behind it at all because it's not about that. Yeah. It's about, about the people there. Absolutely, yeah. I was amazed when you talked about Coherence because I've only seen it like a month ago, maybe. Oh, yeah. And I was surprised that someone else has seen it. It seemed, Oh, I was I... like, why has nobody heard of that? Why have I not heard of this before? I'm the world's biggest proponent of Coherence. <laughs> I've shown like five people that movie by sitting down <laughs> and watching it with them. And uh, it's always, I'm going to rewatch because I think it's on Prime. Um, so uh, so I, I absolutely love it a bit. And I just found it one day on Netflix and just had a wee watch of it. I think I think the only other person I knew who had seen it was our, our guest last week, uh, Jack, who actually saw it before me at a film festival. So, so we, I had many conversations with him uh, about, about my love for that movie, and it's definitely worth a watch. 
So, Gavin, yes. were you like a sci-fi fan before you watched Looper or was Looper the thing that like set you off on that path? I, th- I think it was Looper, actually. I think I, I think it was a brief within that same college course. I did like an essay on the history of sci-fi and whatnot. And I think it's from that that led me to Looper. I think mm-hmm. this was this was years ago for me now <laughs> but before that I, I was mad about fantasy uh, I think that was yeah. definitely heavily influenced by Lord of the Rings growing up and whatnot mm-hmm. uh, yes. but I was always fantasy 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 and then kind of hit that point of oh, sci-fi looks a little interesting write a bit about it and then watch Looper and that's it it's a good gateway it's a good gateway film to get you into just like a whole world of stuff that Looper is trading off. You've got the sci-fi noir elements of, you know, uh, Blade Runner and all these sort of like darker kind of like science fiction ones, but then you've still got all the sort of like fun and sort of like style of a lot more kind of more enjoyable ones to watch. It's a good way to sort of get you re like hyped about uh, science fiction because there's a lot of like Stephen King elements, like with a child who has mad, who has like psychic powers and there's lots of different aspects kind of roped together and the fact that it gets by without, you know, falling apart is uh, really impressive. I think on a practical level as well, it just shows that sci-fi isn't just all about uh, exotic planets and lasers mm. going pew, pew, pew. It's you know the more philosophical aspects of it and the more character driven and you know you can do sci-fi on a well relatively small budget but i it's one of the things that's uh a key to the sci-fi i'm writing at the moment or Mm. the the story that i'm exploring it's you know there's no lasers going pew pew it's it is very much a character driven story but it just has that sci-fi kind of concept and twist in there which is still very low budget to just just make it more interesting really and kick off those like the the character dramas and conflict and i think looper does a really good job of demonstrating that sci-fi can be done a low budget and it's keep repeating it but i just find it really fun to say it's more than lasers going pew 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 (laughs) well talking about lasers going pew 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 shall we move on to your second piece (laughs) so we're doing a ryan johnson (laughs) double bill here yeah we're going to be talking about star wars last jedi and i don't know what the audience reaction to this is going to be i don't know we'll see we'll see in the twitter comments i suppose um (laughs) i should uh point out i'm not allowed to talk about this movie Because uh, I think I talked in a in an early episode about uh, my Star Wars anxiety uh, and about like the fact that there's a certain Star Wars movie I love and then got very affected by the backlash of it. This is this movie, so uh, I'm gonna occasionally jump in to to sort of probe questions. But uh, my friend would get very annoyed at me if I talk about this movie at length because I love it so much. Oh. That's fair. I mean, at least we're all on the same page that. We all love it. Mm. Yes. Absolutely. That's, That's nice. good then. That makes me feel a lot <laughs> less anxious already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of The Last Jedi. So, um, Gavin, would you like to talk to us a bit about The Last Jedi, where it falls in the Star Wars universe and all that kind of stuff? Yes, of course. So, it's in Disney's sequel trilogy. And we follow, well, our heroes are split from here. So, we have Rey, who is, well, trying to train with Luke Skywalker, who has fled away from everybody else and isolated himself on this island uh, on a seemingly random planet in the galaxy. And while Rey is trying to train and trying to learn the ways of being a Jedi with a very uh, moody Luke Skywalker, uh, we have a plot of 
the um, is it a new order? No, first order. The first, first order. order yeah. oh, I, I was almost there. I almost had it. <laughs> so yes, the first order are chasing down the rebels, um, and they've pretty much gotten pinned down. It's really dire. They're on, <laughs> they're on just a small fleet of ships. They're running out of fuel. And uh, first order. I was about to say the new order again. Gee whiz. And the first order are hot on their tails, and it's only a matter of time before. The rebels run out of fuel in their ships and they get decimated, essentially. And, of course, part of that motley crew is you've got General Leia and you've got Poe Dameron. And um, and during that, as part of a plot to be able to overcome that situation, you've got Finn who teams up with... The names are slipping out. I don't know. Rose. What, sorry? Rose. Rose, yeah. yes, of course. Yeah. And Finn teams up with Rose and they head to a casino planet. And... Everybody, sure enough, comes together. But Last Jedi, where to begin? <laughs> it's, <laughs> I mean... On... Okay, so let's go back. Did you see it opening night? Yes, I did. You um, did? And how was that? Sorry, not opening night. It was opening day. We went for a... Okay. It was 11 in the morning, but we went to see it at the IMAX uh, in our city. Nice. Um, which was awesome. Um, but that was yeah, that was pretty much packed out. But I was super excited. Being a Ryan Johnson fan, as soon as they announced that he was going to write and direct this, I knew I was going to enjoy it. But I didn't realise yeah. just how much I was going to love this film. And I'm going to be bold and say it's definitely... I mean, it might actually be in one of my top films of all time. Wow. For me personally. Nice. Wow. That's a, that is a bold claim. Because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even a big Star Wars fan per se. Yeah, right. Like you know, you know, like most people, I've seen them. I recognise a lot of it, but you know, I'm, I mean, I say that, and I look at my two lightsabers standing beside me <laughs> in the room. Um, but I've got a Lego X-wing staring at me right now. Oh, so you're amazing. not alone, buddy. Oh. I feel left out. I don't have anything Star Wars. We'll send room. you. We'll send you some Star. Everyone, uh, we'll start a pay, uh, crowdfunder to just like buy some Star Wars crap for uh, for Abby and thank uh, you. Send I'm, this I'm viral. Sure, I'm sure one of your listeners will send a package now. It's going to be a deluxe light. I can guarantee they won't. I can absolutely. <laughs> I I hate to break it to you, that will not happen. So my mum might. Oh, uh, well, your mum might. Right, this is a call out specifically to Abby's mum. Please, you know now. Now I come to think of it, my mum might as well. So <laughs> this is also a call out to my mum to send Abby Everyone's some stuff. Mums, Get those moms, round them up, send Abby some Star Wars shit. So so was it post Last Jedi? This sort of like fever for Star Wars started, or is it just kind of in isolation? with this movie because i I think i think this film works quite well as even just a standalone when i revisited it um so what what about it is electric to you then so a bit of both really it it does it does a really good job as as much as people say how different it is and how much it bucks the trend it really is a pure star wars film it's it's got the fun, it's got the adventure, but it's got the really great character moments and the really good story beats as well. But, I mean, Star Wars for me, it was always, it was good fun and you do get wrapped up in that, the excitement for Star Wars every time a new one comes out. But I was I especially set the bar high myself because it was Ryan Johnson. Mm-hmm. And on first viewing in the cinema, it, were, it I did get wrapped up in how how unpredictable that story mm. was going. <laughs> yeah. And I will say, I will stand on this hill till I die, 
that the Act 2 climax, where you've got the throne rune battle, yeah. uh, Finn's fighting Phasma, and uh, yeah. Poe's dealing with his situation on like, the ship. And yeah. it's the best Act 2 climax, I think, ever. <laughs> Oh, wow! Sure. It's spectacular. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm coming is. swinging here tonight with a bold statement. <laughs> no, you're, so many bold claims. I, I, there's, there's very. I won't disagree because I think it's, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, I think especially the, the, the breakout of that throne room fight scene gives me like, it makes me want to scream every single time because it's just so like dynamic and explosive and you're like ah! like uh, w- when they break out into that visually fu- oh, it is absolutely stunning, stunning as well yeah. like the whole i think i don't think it's too controversial to say even the people that don't like it the last Jedi is probably visually one of the best yeah. star sure. wars films oh, gorgeous sure. Go- amazing use of color some of the framing is just so but like ryan johnson is is a very beautiful filmmaker yeah. Uh, I mean, his films are beautiful. Not, I mean, he's a beautiful man. But like, uh, that's not <laughs> what I meant. Um, but I, I just so a lot of his images are so, especially even with brick. It's like really mundane, mm. sort of like brick high school sort of environments. But they're still, they look like postcards. All the shots, so they're so the angles and the depth of frame is so sort of like amazing. And then you give him this budget, and he just continues to do that. And and then even continue to like knives out, which is just the colors in that movie are astounding and and, yeah. and pop so much and it's, it's just such a rich kind of film and it's really good to see that a filmmaker managed to sort of like wrangle the studio system to tell a personal story that was uh, like authentic to his vision yeah it's, it's not just a good star wars film it's just a full-on great film because i think there are a few well more than a few episodes really in my opinion where yeah it was a good star wars film but is it a good sort? Of, is it a good film? Because mm-hmm. uh, you know, you it's it's Star Wars. It's pulpy. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got, I think, definitely Empire Strikes Back, where it really, you know, it it digs deeper into story and character and the mythos and the world building. And I think, you know, Last Jedi does that and more. And yeah, on that first viewing, just being blown away by just the. Yeah, just like the visuals, the action, the unpredictable story beats. But then afterwards, what? and each time I watch it, I'm still I'm discovering more and more mm. with just how deep that story is and how yeah. he says so much on his own terms, but the way he connects to other beats within the whole saga is just mm. incredible. Mm-hmm. And it led me... Uh, the, the biggest, one of the first things that I really took away from it was... It's it's not really an official term, but the optimistic nihilism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ray before before it got butchered in the last episode. Um, Ray, which we're, we're where I made that. a bigger point, we are not going to talk about <laughs> no. Rise of Skywalker because that will <laughs> no. become the podcast. <laughs> the whole thing about her being a, being a nobody, and it really does. It's so different from other Hollywood films, where it's very much about, you know, this person is the chosen hero. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They are, you know, it's it's fate, it's been prophesied. Blood related to power, basically. Yes, exactly. And the, like, yes, the, you know, doing a U-turn on that and saying Ray is a nobody, but that's a good thing. And it's, mm-hmm. I got really drawn to that. And I think there was a, 
was Blade Runner that year as well? Uh, 2049. Yes. So, oh, very similar. I didn't even think about that. So, yeah. because it's the same thing with Ryan Gosling's character, and I think that character literally says to him, "Oh, we all wish we were that person." Yeah. And there was yeah. two huge sci-fi films that mm. kind of geared towards his optimistic nihilism. No, you're not the chosen one, but mm. it, it gives you the free will to be your own person. Yeah. And it's a good thing. Don't be scared by it. And that's something that really hit me hard. Yeah. I think also the idea that you don't have to be related to someone special to be special yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I think, I mean, Star Wars is a problem with, you know, it's slightly iffy when you get the fact that to be special, you have to be the son or the daughter or sister. And I've st- it's still a problem when you're like, oh, this person is special. That month, They have to be related to Obi-Wan or Yoda or all this kind of stuff. And it's like, really, no. And I, I, I think, especially rewatching The Last Jedi, like, um, and this is me being like uh, straight jacket in, into my chair as I'm saying things about this movie. <laughs> Um, I, I I don't think how you can, like, it's a basic screenwriting rule of, like, what is our character most afraid of? Give it to them. Make that happen. And Ray, throughout that movie, is scared of being alone, of being, you know, not a part of a legacy. And the fact that she gets told, well, it's also the reason why she forms an attachment to, to Kylo Ren, because he, he is the only one who can, like, empathize with her. Um, but uh, to be told, yes, you're nobody, gives her her worst nightmare. And then the film is about coming to terms with that and sort of like being bolstered by that towards the end. It's brilliant. It is brilliant. Absolutely. And it's actually really funny to see the links between Bash Jedi and Looper and even mm. Knives Out. I actually wrote an article about this, about mm. there seems to be this trend of generational conflict within mm. sort of the latter Ryan Johnson films. You know, Looper, you got Young Joe and Old Joe, mm. and even the whole um, Sid and this conflict of, yeah, growing up mm. and yeah. the conflict with the older characters. And then Last Jedi, obviously, the of course, infamous yeah. line of let the past die. And mm. there's all these conflicts between Rey and Luke and um, Kylo Ren and Snoke. And then you see with Knives Out and, um, God, is it? Marta. Thank you. Marta. And being, you know, a young, young American immigrant, and uh, then you got all the older family members. There's, this, there's all these mm. different generational conflicts, and he yeah. all and Johnson always seems to side with the younger characters, and it mm. has it, it shows just how much hope he has in these younger generations and the potential. Yeah, and it's it's something just really interesting to me, and it's also really nice to see as well. Yeah, definitely. How is this then? impacted the way you've approached storytelling i mean you talked about like writing on ryan johnson in the kind of critic side what about the creative side uh so yeah that one big thing uh was the optimistic nihilism a lot of my writing before that point i was <laughs> i was hugely pessimistic really yeah. really nihilistic in both both personally and it obviously affected my writing as well uh and that's where uh, the idea of this kind of eldritch horror was born out of this kind of nihilistic and just being able you know with eldritch horror i could just kill off everyone and be really yeah so really down <laughs> with it and just mm-hmm. an excuse to use that but this really changed my attitude going into yeah the, the, the characters and story and just personally as well of that outlook Mm-hmm. yeah it, it seems like yes we're in this vast big universe nothing is like set in stone nothing really matters but that's okay mm-hmm. and it's the whole free will yeah. that comes with it and seeing the light you're seeing the good side of it the positive side yeah. um and really affected me personally but 
you know, affected the, the types of story I wanted to tell. And that in turn helped me rejig. Even like the Eldritch Horror, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not just nihilistic and killing everyone off in Lovecraftian style for the sake of it. There's, a, there's yeah. you know, there's some hope peppered throughout. It's all linked to the characters and it really strengthened my writing that way as well. I think the world needs more hopeful stories at the moment. Absolutely. And um, it's, yeah, it's that thing ultimately with last jedi just how hopeful that is and it really came at such a great time in 2017 i mean even if it was released now it would do so much wonder for audiences and the yoda's lesson in it about failure and how much we learn from it and it broke broke my wee heart each time i watch it i just the the tears come more and more. And yeah. more. yeah, it's I just like, absolutely fantastic. I I really like that Frank Oz came back for that, but he didn't come back for like the new Muppet movies. Like, <laughs> I, like he, but he came back to be Yoda, and then he, he was he was so into Ryan Johnson that he turns up and knives out, not as a Muppet. That would be the only thing to make that movie better. Oh my god, we need to see a Muppet remake of Knives Out. Anyway, I, that was just a note to myself. But Moving with on. Daniel Craig, with Daniel Craig as himself. <laughs> as himself. <laughs> that's right you need him and he is acting the exact same and he is and he's just treating all these muppets very oh that would be the best movie ever is, oh my is, god is johnson directing that one or we getting Absol- else? oh absolutely yeah. he is he would love that he'd have a great time oh god um th- i think that neatly wraps up are we kind of ho- we ended on a hopeful note there uh, yeah which is lovely uh moving on to uh, let me check this correctly. A video game? I, I don't know what that means. Uh, I feel like I have to give this disclaimer to every guest. Every Gavin, guest. Rory doesn't know what a video game I, is. I'm not a video game guy, so I'm I'm ready to learn and understand that they're like... I'm not like Roger Ebert. I'm not like video games can't be art. <laughs> like, I'm super down for video game criticism and, like, learning more about it. I just have no fucking clue how to play them. I'm really bad at them. Ah, uh, yes, uh, those, so those computer games. Those yes. little... You know, go and play on your Xbox and your Digimons. Why don't you introduce what your third thing is, this video game, tell us about it, and tell us how you sort of came to it. Yes. Sorry, I was getting distracted by my other choice. It was really close with something else, and it was actually a piece of... It was music. Can I do an honourable mention? Please. Yeah, go for it. A quick honourable mention. So there's an artist I absolutely adore. Um, It's called The Narcissist Cook. Oh. Okay. There's hardly anybody I know that... I've heard of it. And he's a writer called Matt based up in Sterling. And hey. There we go. <laughs> um, hey, but, Scott. And I've checked out. Goodbye. <laughs> but he does... It's just really him and some acoustics. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the songs he did on kind of his first EP are really funny. Um, there's like so, there's literally a whole song about how he doesn't like coffee. And it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's literally called I Don't Like Coffee. <laughs> oh, that's good. Just in case you weren't too <laughs> and, sure what it was but about. It's, but it was again me and loving my writing the writing when it comes to lyrics i don't really pay that much attention to it but with the narcissist cookbook i was completely enraptured by the writing just how clever and witty it was and then came his full first album and he literally dedicates the album to a friend who's moving away to new zealand and he told him for kind of his mental health and for his well-being to write an album and sort Mm -hmm. of get everything out and it explores his past marriage that he had um and kind of his narcissistic tendencies that he had as nihilistic viewpoints and it's some of the songs like i think it's the the only album which made me cry 
Wow. <laughs> and oh, it's wow. Some, just amazing. He's such a brilliant writer. And like his latest album, like looks at his relationship with his dad that he had and like his childhood, and it's 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 just really, really, really strong writing. Mm. Well, I'll definitely be checking that. So out. yeah, definitely check out the Narcissist Cookbook. Oh, wonderful! Sneaky honorable mention. Now onto this gargantuan <laughs> confusion. Computer video games, yes. So <laughs> talk about Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice came out in 2017. Well, first out of that one, Windows and ps4 but now you should well it's on xbox and switch and obviously microsoft have bought out the studio uh, ninja theory but so this one i discovered when i was studying my master's degree in moving image and sound and i learned a lot i heard a lot about the behind the scenes with this so it's a story um so you play as senua and she's a picked uh, slash celtic uh, warrior and she is trying to confront uh, Hela, who I believe in the mythos, she's like the goddess of death or something similar to that anyway. And in the in mm. the Hel- in Helheim, um, like Land of the Undead. And the thing, it's a typical like dark fantasy game, but and it's got your combat sequences, it's got your puzzle elements in there. But it really is just this story about her and dealing with psychosis and... There's, there's lots of games and, you know, a lot of indie developers who are creating really good games that looking at uh, mental health and incorporating mental health and mental illnesses. But this was kind of my first foray into that. Um, but also, hmm. but it, it tells a really good story that's centered around mental health and, and mental illness, but it utilizes the technology to really enhance that. And the first thing that jumped out was the binaural sound that the game utilizes. So complete 360 degree audio and you can use your headphones to do it but you can pinpoint when somebody's walking above you uh, at you know exact uh, meter or you can hear someone whisper right, right in your ear and uh, playing as cinema you're hearing these whispers the psychosis constantly all around you and it even comes to a point there was one point where there's a big escape sequence of trying to uh escape from everything burning up and one of the voices told me to go left so i went left and it led me to a game over and it was just that wow it's Mm -hmm. you know using the technology to really enhance the gameplay which then in effect tells this really amazing story i haven't played it but is it right that when if you like take damage the voices then kind of get more nervous and stuff depending on how kind of much damage was done yeah so it's really reactionary so yes like combat situations uh they will tell you when an enemy is about to hit you um or you know how well the fight's going and they'll react to you when you've defeated an enemy or whether you're taking hits and you know you're close to death and the game over um and leave and like puzzle elements telling you where to go what to do what not to do but always like bickering with each other mm. and mm. like that moment in this intense chase sequence all i really care is getting out and surviving and <laughs> leading me astray so the thing i really love about this game is i was doing some sort of background research and i didn't realize the sheer amount of research that they actually went mm-hmm. into making sure that mm. the mental health um kind of issues that she has are depicted properly and they actually gave it out to people who suffer with psychosis to play it and make sure that you know they were happy with it basically which is amazing and how it should be yes exactly i hope a lot more studios really follow in their footsteps and you can see the work that they've done um they have a whole behind the scenes documentary series and it's all there on youtube 
you just go onto the Ninja Theory YouTube channel and it's all there. And it, it's great for my masters because I could play a video game and watch all the behind the scenes <laughs> for, for, for legitimate research and it's all in my, you know, submitted work. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's great. Oh, wonderful. Great excuse. But yeah, they worked with professors and psychologists at Uni of Cambridge. It was other universities as well. But yeah, you see them play testing it with people who have psychosis and like the communities then the communities that they have and yeah it's just it's just great to see that they really put in the research and you know you, you can see the results from that it's an amazing experience and it's one of those experiences as well that prove that there are only certain stories that you can tell through the interactive medium and hellblade mm. is one of those mm-hmm. like it would not it would it would it just wouldn't work as a film which so many people nowadays try to you know, there's this blend of video games and movies, and mm-hmm. I'm very much in the camp of just leave them alone. A video game is a video game, is <laughs> a movie. Stop trying to, you know, they've they're in their respective mediums for a reason, and Hellblade proves that. And I don't think, um, well, I think with video games, you do get that sort of sense of empathy and be able to sort of learn about other people mm-hmm. so much more because you're like literally in their shoes, yeah. like you are that character for however long you're playing. Yeah. Um. And there was a great quote that I pulled from the writer of the game. Um, he said, games are capable of drawing you in for hours on end, playing the role of a character who's different from you, experiencing their perspective and actively involving you in a world that functions with a different set of rules. And I just love that. So mm-hmm. I wanted to read it. Absolutely. I think I think there's something, I mean, the best sort of examples of a medium are the ones where they use that medium as part of their you know mm. storytelling and like the medium is the message you your reactions are crucial to this and are to the to playing um hellblade and like as you said i mean it told to turn left and then like that being an unreliable voice you're hearing and it started to make you have a layered relationship with the mechanics of the game and the sort of atmosphere of the game it's a really interesting way to sort of engage uh your player now did our what's ninja theory doing now you said they were bought by microsoft what's kind of next for them what else have they sort of released in the pipeline what's going on with them so they're working on a sequel to hellblade which is for those who have played it a little confusing i mean well i was anyway i was thinking how on earth are they going to do a sequel because it seemed like such a complete story ish i mean it's it's got one of those endings where it it leaves it slightly open to interpretation but doesn't exactly set up for a sequel Mm -hmm. so i was really surprised i'm very welcome for it because I adored Hellblade. It was such an amazing experience and excited what they do with it. But also, I really don't know where that story's going to go. It'll be interesting to find out. Mm-hmm. I um, Like I said, I haven't played it, but it's basically been at the top of my to play this for ages. But I don't know if you guys have this, but I sort of have a list of like films and games I'm really excited for, but I feel like... I've got to wait for the right moment. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And it's just for ages. I've been like, no, I want like a whole, you know, couple of days or whatever to like really sit and not have any distractions and just experience the whole thing in one go. How long did it take you? How long did it take you to play at Gavin? It's, it's, it's not the longest game. I think eight to 10 hours, maybe. Yeah. It's not, uh, I could do that in a day. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's well, I I don't know. I, well, I broke it up because I tried to make sure I played it at night. Ooh, and Because it, 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 it really does get under your skin, especially, you know, the psychosis and just how well it's done. It really is playing that at night and having 
all those voices around you and trying to survive and you know the enemy designs they're really good but quite horrific mm -hmm. and it's a re it's a real intense experience and i was put myself with a ringer <laughs> well i think that's a nice way to wrap up gavin so thank you very much for coming on thank you for having me pleasure uh, bubbling along <laughs> have you got socials that you would like to plug oh i knew you were gonna ask yeah <laughs> i'm still not ready my best thing is gonna be my twitter uh which is at gavin spores 94 that's s-p-o-o-r-s because everyone spells it wrong oh very good. How do people spell it? Uh, people, well... Like the game Spore. Yes, people relate oh. me to... Hear that? That's a video game guy. I know. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> I can literally say that I am a fun guy. Okay, that's um. your cat. We're gonna... You're, this episode's not getting released. That's appalling. That's really awful. Uh, what's wonderful? Well, everyone go follow uh, Gavin. Rory, what about you? Last week, you told us to find you in a dumpster. Yeah, well, I think I've moved. <laughs> yeah, where am I this week? I, I'm i hiding in uh, the walls. I'm hiding in the walls of your house. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just burrowing there. So if you hear knocks or sort of whispers throughout the night, that's me. But you can follow. I still got Twitter in there. So you can follow me on Twitter, which is at Rory Has Opinions. And I'm taking a little break from the film criticism at the moment. I'm just kind of concentrating on school. If you want to read my scripts, just sort of yell at me on Twitter or like message me because I'm looking for people to share them with and get feedback. Uh, but yeah, just taking a bit easy with uh, the film criticism at the moment. And people should do that because I got to read one this week and it was amazing. Oh, so definitely take it. Rory up on that offer. Shut up. When you <laughs> when he said to yell, I was I was literally about to yell down the mic here. Mm. <laughs> you can do that. I mean, Abby will be very angry with you in post production. Abby, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Abby Ruggles uh, and Instagram as well, but I don't really post on there very much, so oh, yeah. I don't know why we, I said that. Yeah, <laughs> and follow, uh, and tell you what, you can follow uh, the podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. I think it's at the stories cast for both of them. It is indeed. I'll, yeah. I'll be sure of it then... at some point. But um... <laughs> And uh, if you have any questions or comments or. I don't know. If you want to come on the show. Hi. Yeah. If you or if you want to come on the show, yeah. Um, you can email us at the stories that make us at gmail.com. Or tell, you know, DM either the stories cast or me and Abby individually and we'll send you the form and get stuff Or just going. Um, step outside your door and shout it. Yeah. And I'll go rock the and roll and... there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'll just like crawl and on the walls. Maybe we'll hear it. Yeah. And thank you again for coming on, Gavin. Thanks, Gavin, so much. Yay. Thank you for having me. And on that note, for anybody that's still listening, uh, we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.